Welcome back, friends. Bill Creasy here with Friday's episode of Scripture Uncovered. Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. And boy, do we have a dim and dark chapter of Scripture here today. David, at the peak of his success, David made a gigantic mistake. Like so many young men who reach a peak of power and wealth, David had his fall. David took Bathsheba. There's not a love affair. There's not adultery with Bathsheba. David raped Bathsheba. The wife of Uriah the Hittite, one of David's military officers, who was off at war in Rabbah. And then, to cover it up, he had Uriah murdered, along with his men. There are three great sins that happen here in 2 Samuel 11. The rape of Bathsheba, the murder of Uriah the Hittite, and the murder of his men to cover it up. God is not pleased. You'll recall, as we ended last time, in God's covenant with David, the Davidic covenant, an unconditional, irrevocable covenant. God had said to David, when he does wrong, I will punish him with the rod of men, with floggings inflicted by men, but my love will never be taken away from him as I took it away from Saul. Well, David is about to be taken out to the woodshed. 2 Samuel 12. The Lord sent Nathan to David, Nathan the prophet, who goes back with David way back to the mercenary days. And when he came to him, he said, so David's holding court in the palace. One of the things the king did was hold court to make judicial decisions regarding legal cases. So David's holding court, and Nathan was there in court. And David looked down and said, let me see at the docket here, case number 423, represented by Nathan the prophet. So Nathan stood up, and David said, and what is the case? Nathan replied, there were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man, well, he had nothing except one little ewe lamb that he had bought. He raised it. It grew up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup, even slept in the bed. It was like a, like a child to him. I know just what that's like. When my boys were growing up, Adam and Jonathan, we had a golden retriever, Dusty the Golden Retriever, the world's best dog. As I sit here recording this podcast, I have a picture of Adam at perhaps uh, 15 years old, uh, Jonathan perhaps five, and there's Dusty between them, smiling at me. I look into his big brown eyes every time I record these podcasts. A great dog. And he was like one of the kids. He played with them. He chased the ball. He slept in bed with them. And when we'd send out for pizza on a Friday night, uh, he'd sit right next to me with his chin on my lap, drooling, and I'd feed him the pepperonis off the pizza. He was a wonderful dog. Well, this man, this poor man, had one little lamb, little lamb, little baby lamb, that was just like that 
like one of the one of his own children. Now, a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took that little lamb that belonged to the poor man, slaughtered it, and cooked it for his guest. And Nathan waits. David is aghast. He's been turning red during this whole story. David burned with anger against the man. He said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this deserves to die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a horrible thing and had no pity. That I, I can't, can't believe someone would do something so cruel. And then Nathan stepped forward toward David's throne, the throne of judgment. And Nathan pointed a knobby index finger at David's chest and said, you are the man. And notice this is in an open court, so everybody hears it. You are the man. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I anointed you king over Israel. I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if all this had been too little, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his sight? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with a sword, and you took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, the sword will never depart from your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. Oh, with this, David blanches. He, he staggers backward. He's stood up from his throne. He, he, he wobbled. He staggered backward. And Nathan continued. And all this is in public hearing. And this is what the Lord says. Out of your own household, I am going to bring calamity upon you. Before your very eyes, I will take your wives and give them to one who is close to you. And he will lie with your wives in broad daylight. You did it in secret. I will do this thing in broad daylight before all Israel. And then David said to Nathan, he's speechless. The, The color is drained completely from his face. David said to Nathan, uh, uh, I, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan replied, You're darn right you have, and the Lord has taken away your sin. You're not going to die. He told you that when he made that covenant with you. But because by doing this, you have made the enemies of the Lord show utter contempt, the son born to you will die. Nathan turned around and walked out of the court. You could hear a pin drop. David staggered back to his private quarters. After Nathan had gone home, the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife had borne to David, and he became ill. The little newborn baby, David pleaded with God for the child. He fasted. He went into his house. He spent the nights lying on the ground. The elders of his household stood beside him to get him up from the ground. He refused. He would not eat. Day after day, David's in mourning, begging God to spare the child. 
On the seventh day, the child died. David's servants were afraid to tell him the child was dead. They thought, while the child was still living, we spoke to David, but he wouldn't listen to us. We saw his horrible grief. How can we tell him the child is dead? He may do something desperate. He, he, he may take his own life. David noticed that his servants were whispering among themselves, and he realized the child was dead. Is the child dead, he asked. Yes, they replied. He is dead. Then David got up from the ground after he had washed, he put on lotions and changed his clothes. He went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he went to his own house, and at his request, they served him food, and he ate. His servants are, are, are baffled. Why are you acting this way? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept, but now the child is dead, you get up and eat? And David answered, While the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. I thought, who knows? The Lord may be gracious to me and let the child live. But now that he's dead, why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? No. I will go to him, but he will not return to me. And David comforted his wife Bathsheba, and he went to her and lay with her. And she gave birth to a son, and they named him Solomon, from Shalom, peace. Peace between David and Bathsheba, peace between David and God. And the Lord loved him. And because the Lord loved him, he sent word through Nathan the prophet to name him Jedidiah, a little nickname. It means loved by the Lord. Oh, what a story. You know, I've been teaching scripture for a long time now, 30 years, both at UCLA and at a university setting, academic class. And also in the community, churches all throughout Southern California and Arizona and now on the internet and the podcasts. And I've been doing this a long time. My live classes, I've had, I have several hundred people in my live classes until COVID-19 came and now I have nobody in live classes. But uh, over all those years, when I teach this story, I've had people come up to me after class and, and say, um, I had a child who died. And that's, I can't imagine. As I said at the beginning of this lesson, I have two sons, Adam and Jonathan. They're both adults now. Adam's 43, Jonathan's 33. And I have grandchildren. And, but I, I can't imagine having a child die and and they'll say to me what 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 happens to my child 
a child who dies shortly after birth or a child who becomes ill and dies at 18 months old? What happens? And I, I turned to this story and, and I thought, well, what happened with David? He fasted, he wept, he prayed, and the child died anyhow. But David said something very comforting. Now that he's dead, why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? No. But listen. I will go to him, but he will not return to me. Now David writes Psalm 23. 73 of the 150 Psalms are ascribed to David, 23 being one of them. And I think of Psalm 23 as the Psalm of an old king, a king who's had great success over his life, but a king who has suffered deeply. And boy, from this point on, David will suffer until the very end of his life. God took him out to the woodshed for sure, and he spent a lot of time out there with him. But, uh, you know, David wrote Psalm 23. And in Psalm 23, he said, the Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I shall want. And he concludes a short psalm by saying, And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David knew that at the end of his life, after all the things David had done, the great successes, all the terrible failures, David, magnificent warrior, great king, great man of God, stone-cold killer, brutal politician, much like Don Corleone in The Godfather. But uh, David was confident. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He was confident because God had made a covenant with David in 2 Samuel 7, an unconditional, irrevocable covenant. He will always be my man. Now, if he does wrong, I'll punish him with the rod but I will never leave David. The Lord said that to us too. You know, when we give our lives to Christ, we turn ourselves over to him. We step positionally into the family of God. We become adopted sons and daughters of God. And God will, might take us out to the woodshed. He's sure taken me out on occasion, but he will never leave us and never forsake us. So I think like David, I will go to him, but he will not return to me. So if you or one you know, one you love, has lost a child, I'm confident that when you step out into eternity, into the presence of Christ, and we all shall, and we'll look at him, we'll look into his eyes, we'll see the nail marks on his hands and feet, will gaze into those eyes. And I hope, I hope he'll say to me, well done, good and faithful servant. But when that happens, when we step into the presence of Christ, that little child will be with him, holding his hand. And that little child that you lost will be looking up into your eyes, 
and you look down into his or hers, and you will be with them for all of eternity. God took David out to the woodshed for sure, but there's a wonderful lesson here of comfort for all of us, and especially for those who have lost a child. Thank you for being here. We're moving in now to Advent on Sunday, the beginning of the new year, new liturgical year. Christmas on the horizon. We're planning four weeks of preparing for the birth of Christ. I'm looking forward to it. And this is a good way to end the podcast on this Friday, this Friday before Advent, ending with confidence in the love and faithfulness of God the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. So thank you for being with me. I look forward to this every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And uh, have a blessed Advent. Bye-bye now.